Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. talking about David. And David is such a, I mean, just an interesting character, such an amazing man of God, uh, probably the most prominent uh, king of Israel in his, in his time, uh, obviously before Jesus. Uh, but it, David was just amazing. I think everybody's heard of David, whether you've been in church or not. And uh, I just love the story that we're going to talk about. Go to First uh, Samuel chapter 16. Uh, let's begin to read in verse 4. And let me just give you a little background context. Israel has a king named Saul. Saul is the first king of Israel. Saul was tall. He was handsome. He was good looking. And they anointed him as the first. He looked like Richard McCarthy. I mean, just a good looking guy. Tall, great, good looking guy. And he was the first king of Israel. And, and Saul started off right, but toward the end of his life, he started going sideways. He fell off the wagon. At one point, he even consults a witch, a medium. And, and God disapproves of that. So God's like, you know what? It's time to pick another king. And, and he tells Samuel the prophet. Samuel was very well known. A very, I mean, everybody knew who Samuel was. Go anoint the next king. I want you to go down to Jesse's house. It's a man named Jesse. He has a bunch of sons. One of his sons is going to be the next king of Israel. I love David's story. This is where we pick it up. Look at verse 4. It says, so Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. In other words, they had such respect and reverence for this man of God, Samuel, very well-known prophet. And it says that they asked him, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord and consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. So he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, it says that Samuel saw Eliab, and he thought Eliab is the first son that, that Jesse has. And he thought, well, oh my God, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And he stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab and he had him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, like, are, the, are these all your sons? Like, if this is all your sons? You don't have not one more other son? And Jesse's like, well, they're still... You're still the youngest one, little David, I mean, but, but little David's a little bit out of his mind. I mean, he talks to sheep, sings to sheep. I don't, know about, I don't know if you want David. He's tending the sheep, and Samuel said, well, send him, send for him. We'll not sit down until he arrives, verse 12. So he sent for him, and he brought him in. He was glowing with health, and he had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David, and Samuel went to Ramah. You're taking notes. It's our custom in church to take notes. We believe that we're leaders, and leaders take notes, and it helps you to memorize. I want you to write this down. I just want you to write David at the top. We've just been looking at different characters. Last week, we talked about Moses. Week before, we talked about Hannah. Today, I want you to just write David. I think as we talk about David's life, there's some things that we can learn from this great man of God 
see how his life started in the ministry as God called him and told him he had plans for him, we can all learn something from him today. I'm excited about David, one of my favorite heroes in the Bible. And I think we can all walk away better by looking at him today. Amen? Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our head. Let's ask Jesus to bless this time. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are such a good, good God. God, your reckless love that comes down and chases us, God. You'll do anything for us. And for that, we are extremely, extremely grateful. Thank you for this morning, God. God, keep people safe as they're driving through this rain. And thank you for every single person that made it to church this morning, God, at the 9 a.m., 11 a.m., everybody coming at the 1 p.m. and the 7 p.m. tonight down in our city campus. Uh, God, I pray that you keep us, uh, just protect us, safe. Uh, thank you for this house. Thank you for this family. Thank you for what you're going to do today here in this 11 a.m. service. Thank you for every person watching across Facebook, across the world, and our live stream, and everybody listening on 90.9 Life FM. God, we love you, Jesus. We pray that you would have your way in this place today. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And all of God's people say, Amen. Oh, come on. All of God's people say, Amen. Can you give Jesus a big, big praise? Come on. I think that when we, when we think about significance, we automatically think that something significant usually comes from a place of significance, right? We think that people who are important or things that are important usually come from an important place, right? We, this is the way we equal. I think this is our human tendency for the most part is that we would say, well, if somebody's going to be significant, if somebody's going to make a great impact, if there's going to be a thing that is extremely important in the world, then it has to have a significant start. And this is the way we see things and rule things. And I've started to find out that not everything that is significant begins as significant. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right, like if we look at David's life, uh, I think that his beginning wouldn't be extremely significant. Like, we don't look at David's start of his life and say, oh, this guy is going to be probably one of the greatest kings of Israel. Oh, this guy tending the sheep, this young man that's taking care of sheep, singing with the sheep and writing poems on his off time, he's going to be the great king. Like, we don't really see it that way because we, we have a tendency to look at things that seem small or seem not too important, and we tend to look down on them. Like, this, this, is, this is no good. This, this is just a small, anybody know what it's about? This is just a, a small thing. This is not significant. It doesn't, I'll give you an example. I was on my treadmill Thursday morning, <laughs> and... Uh, I just said it's go time. Summer's coming. You know, everybody wants that summer bod. It's time, you know. I don't want to show off, but I got to just work out a little bit, you know. And so I, on the treadmill, and I say, you know what? I'm going to go full speed. Full speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full speed. Come on. Yeah, the Lord is with me. I got this. It's nothing. And I went all the way to 10. I'm like, 10, I'll eat this up. This is cake, right? Like, this is easy. Like, I wish this thing went up to 15, 16. This is not. I'm on 10. Thursday morning, I'm on 10, and I'm running on the treadmill as fast as I can. And, and I had one small, insignificant misstep. <laughs> My foot went off the treadmill uh, thing, and it landed right on the side, and it sent me flying back, like flying back. Like if I would have had a hidden camera, I would have been viral right now all over the Internet. <laughs> My foot went off, and it sends me flying, and... And it's like everything happened in slow motion Thursday morning, right? I see myself flying back, 
And I don't want to end up against the wall like an accordion on the floor crying for help. So as I'm going back, I did like this Matrix Neo move. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it's just in slow motion, right? And, and, and the funny thing is we're in a room. My wife's working on one side, but she has no idea. Her, her face is looking the other way. And, and she has no idea. I'm dying behind her. Like I'm dying. Like, babe, this is bad. And so I'm falling off the trip. And right before I'm about to like fall, all, I'm doing that right now. And I'm praying that my, my back doesn't go. I, I finally get a hold of the treadmill as I'm going down and I get right back on. Thank God. Like it was, it was, it was bad though. Like, I don't know. It, I just, I look like a contortionist. It was just really bad. Jump back on. I'm like, oh, that was okay. Like just a small misstep, right? Just a small misstep. So I kept working out 10. <laughs> I kept working out. By Thursday night, I'm feeling a pain in my back. Slight pain. Small pain, insignificant pain, right? Like, wow, this is, this is nothing. I, ah, I'm just, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a tough, I'm a man, tough man. Like, this is nothing. I'm good, right? And so uh, Friday morning, I wake up, and, and I, can't, I can't walk Friday morning. And uh, by Friday night, I can't breathe. And again, me, because something seemed insignificant or small, I didn't pay attention to it. Saturday morning, I mean, probably about 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I'm done. Diana takes me to the hospital. I end up in the ER, and I get three shots for pain. I mean, I can't breathe. I can't walk. It's really, I pulled my, my muscle bad. The worst I've ever pulled it. All because of a small, small, insignificant, wrong step. I mean, Saturday morning, I, it was ridiculous looking at me. I would walk around. I looked like Darth Vader about to throw up. Like, I was just like, whoop. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Like my wife's like, oh my God, Jesus. And I'm like, I know, I need him right now. It, it was just really, really bad. You know, you know what, I, what I really came to learn that in our own life, in our own life, small steps can have great impacts. In our own life, small beginnings can have great endings. Right. I think a lot of us, maybe we're looking at our life and we're like, oh, my life can seem insignificant. What I'm doing can seem insignificant. Where I'm at can seem insignificant. Alex, if you only knew my life, where I come from is an insignificant. God can't do anything with where I come from. They said the same thing about Jesus. When Jesus was on this earth, one man went to run and get Nathaniel, and they said, hey, go, come follow me. We found the Messiah. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Nathaniel goes, wait, what? He's from where? Oh, he's from, he's from Nazareth. He's the Messiah. Oh, come on. And you know what he says? He says this. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. Nazareth was, was a small town. It was a small place. It was, it was considered less than. And so he says nothing good can come from Nazareth. Right? I think a lot of us, we look at our life and we're like, oh, nothing good can come out of my life. My life is just an insignificant life. Like, if you knew the family that I come from, if you know the history that I come from, if you only know what I've been through, Alex, I mean, do you know where I was born? I'm from Hialeah. Nothing good can come from Hialeah. I'm from Hialeah. Come on, I was born and raised. I know God can do something with Hialeah people, right? Oh, oh, come on, come on. No, God can't do anything with the insignificant. God can't do anything with the small. You don't know enough. You don't even know enough people. Come on, you don't have connections. People that raise to prominence and significance and do great things is because they know it all. They know everyone. I mean, come on, but where I'm from, you don't know my family structure. You don't know where I grew up. You have no idea. Alex, my dad left me. My mom left me. I've had people walk out on me because, what? I mean, just my life, it really doesn't matter. It's just a small life. It's a small insignificant. Be careful that you don't predict your future by your present circumstance. Be careful that you don't predict your future by your present circumstance. Oh, it, it, your life may look insignificant. What you may be doing may seem insignificant. But we have a God that grabs the insignificant and he turns it into a powerful, significant force on the face of the earth. This is the God that we have.
God is into insignificant people. God is into, it says he takes the foolish of the world to show off to the wise. Oh, Alex, but my family, where I come from, God can't do anything with my little life. God can't do anything great with my little budget. God can't do anything great with my little, my little resources that I have, just my little gift. Alex, I really don't have much. Look at my family structure. Look at where I've, God can't do anything with that. I really believe that a lot of times we have no idea the potential of a seed. If we were to see a seed right now, and I would bring you a mustard seed, you, we would look at this seed and we're like, this is a small seed. This is insignificant. It's small. It doesn't matter. We overlook it. We're like, this is, who knows the trees that are inside this seed? Who knows how much fruit there is inside of a seed? I want to tell you today that you are a seed in front of God's eyes, and he has things on the inside of you, gifts on the inside of you. He has miracles on the inside of you. There's fruit to come out of your life, and you're looking at it like it's insignificant, like God can't do anything, but we have a God that does great things out of small beginnings. Right? We look around this room right now, and some of us may say, okay, what, what, what can God do with our life? He can do a whole lot with a little bit. This is a God that we serve. I love David's story because if you look at David's story, the beginning of his life looks extremely insignificant. Like David is considered like somebody that's just taking care of sheep. He's just the father's youngest son. Uh, we can overlook him. He's just out. I mean, have you seen his other son? The seven brothers. I mean, they're amazing. They're strong. They're handsome. They're good looking. And, and now David is about to be overlooked by his own dad. Imagine how David feels. Right, we get to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and, and God gives Samuel the prophet an order to go find the next king of Israel. And he says, I know who he is. I'm going to show you who he is, and I want you to anoint him as the next king of Israel. And so Samuel goes out, and he says, go to Jesse's house. Tell Jesse you're going to worship God together, and there I'll show you who the king is. And he goes to Jesse, and he says, hey, Jesse, bring all your sons because we are going to consecrate ourselves before God. We're going to worship God, and I'm going to show you who the next king is. Right? And so Jesse's like, all right, he brings all of his sons. They all come together, and they're about to have a worship service before God. And it says that when Samuel sees his sons, he sees the first one, and he says, oh, this is, this is, this is the king. Look at this guy. This guy's tall, muscular, good-looking. Is your name Alex Sagat? I mean, I mean, this guy is just great. <laughs> and Samuel the prophet is like, for sure, this is the next king of Israel. Oh, look at him. This, this guy, he's it. God, this was easy. God, this was a piece of cake. God, this is the next king. of it. And what does God do? God says, this is not him. I've rejected him because you look at the outside appearance, but I look at the heart. By outside standards, it seems like he has everything going for him. Smarts, muscular, tall, six-pack. I mean, this is a king. But God says, I'm not looking at the outside. I'm looking at the inside. Don't let your outside circumstance determine what God can do with what's inside of you. Because God is looking on the inside. He says, oh, Jesse, do you have more sons? He says, yeah, I got, a, I got a couple more sons. And he starts bringing them all one by one, right? And seven go by. And God's like, nope, nope, not a, nope, nope, zilch, nope, not him, not him, not him. He's done. And, and Jesse's like, do you, do you have another son? Because none of these are it. I mean, these guys are all bachelors. They look amazing. They're all tall. They're all handsome. And they're like, Jesse, do, do you have another son? He goes, well, I have one more son, uh, little, little David. I have little David. Uh, but <laughs> you don't, you don't want to see little David. You don't want to see little David. 
Where's David? He's taking care of the sheep. Let me tell you, I think David is crazy. It's my little son. I mean, I love him. But, I mean, this little guy, he's walking around with sheep all the time. He's out there. Sometimes we walk by and he's singing these songs. He's writing these songs. He's singing. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't know, a little, little dumb son. He wants to try for American Idol with a harp. I mean, the guy thinks he can make it big in life. I mean, nah, not that. So he smells like sheep. He hasn't taken a shower in three days. He's kind of like red-haired. I mean, nah, not, not him. He's a little bit out of his mind. Samuel's like, why, why, why don't you bring him? David? Little David? Are we talking about the same David? Are you sure? Bring, bring David. So they call for David, and David's on the way. I just, I just, for a moment, I just try, like, just try to get in the picture. And if I was David, how would I feel? If I was David and I was outside on a hill on a mountainside, and I, I know that the prophet, the man of God, is coming to my dad's house, and I see all my brothers gathering together. They're about to have a feast and a worship service, and, and I didn't get the invitation. Right? I'm checking my mail every day. Like, got, the invitation got lost in the mail. I don't know, I don't know where. I didn't get an email. I didn't get a text. Where, and, and, you know, what is it to feel that your dad has forgotten about you? Your dad didn't even invite Your dad didn't even consider you worthy to come to this feast. I think the first thing that we need to remember as we look at David's life is that your dad can forget you. But your father always remembers. He remembers. Somebody say, he remembers. Come on, come on, say a little bit louder. He remembers. God remembers. David is out there taking care of sheep, and he sees his brother, all the brothers getting in their best clothes, and they're going to go meet the man of God, Samuel, and they're getting ready because they might be picked next. And as David is looking probably from a hillside, he's like, where's my invitation? How come I didn't get Have you ever felt overlooked? Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever felt like, hey, did they forget about me? Come on, nobody's called on me. Nobody's checked up on me. Nobody came to see if I've lost another sheep, fought another lion, fought another bear. I'm over here, like, dying for these sheep, and nobody invites me to a party. Like, like really? Have you ever felt forgotten? I think in life, I think a lot of us have felt forgotten at times. A lot of us have felt overlooked. I'll never forget this one time, and I've shared this story before, one time, when I was about 15, 16 years old, we all went up to Orlando, me and a bunch of friends from youth group, uh, because there was a Christian concert. And my parents was like, hey, we'll rent a van. We'll take all your, all your friends up to the concert. We're like, all right, let's do it. We all go, and we stop at this one place to eat in Orlando early in the morning, some breakfast. And we all jump in the van, and we're getting ready to go to the park. And as we're going to the park, maybe about five minutes after driving, we all look around, and we're like, where's Jeff? Where's Jeff? Our friend Jeff, he's not in the car. Like, where's, where's Jeff? And everybody's like, no, you're playing around. Look into the chairs. We're all looking. My parents are driving. Great, great parents. We're all driving around. And <laughs> we left Jeff at the breakfast place. My dad does a U-turn. We hurry up. And when we pull up to the breakfast place, no lie, this was Jeff outside. <laughs> like, I think Jeff came out and he's like, the rapture happened and Jesus didn't take me. Like, <laughs> God, I've been good. <laughs> We pull up and we get Jeff in the car, and I think his parents never found out. We love you, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but imagine to feel forgotten. Imagine to feel overlooked. Like David is probably taking care of sheep, and he's writing all these songs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he's singing. He's enjoying it, but he looks over, and he's like, the Lord is my shepherd. How come I didn't get invited today? I don't understand this. Oh, God, where? I think David dealt with this his whole life. Like, if you read through the Psalms, David continued. It's like, God, where are you? You know what happens with us is that we put characteristics of this world into a God that's out of this world. 
And we think that because people have forgotten about us, maybe our mom, our dad, our friends have walked out. We put the same characteristics on a God that is supernatural. We do this often. Like, I wonder if David saw the invitation and he's like, God, again, they forgot about, again, you forgot about me? How come everybody gets to go see the man of God? Everybody gets invited and not me. God, how come you're, you're restoring everybody else's marriage except mine? God, how come you're healing everybody else except me? God, how come everybody else is getting promoted except me? My dad forgot about me. He walked out of my life when I was young, promised he was going to pick me up and never came to pick me up. My mother didn't care. She was too busy working too many jobs, never cared about where I was at. My marriage ended up in divorce. My husband never tells me I'm pretty or I'm good enough. My wife always starts with the nagging and doesn't tell me anything about my life. God, where am I right now? Are you serious, God? Everybody, I walk through the hallways and nobody talks. My pastor doesn't call me, God. <laughs> God, you're, you're overlooking me my entire life. And so we put this on God. We say, God, this is who you are. We grab human traits and we put them into a holy God. I want to remind you this morning, that's not who God is. And when David probably felt forgotten and when David felt overlooked, oh, they go calling for him and they say, the, the prophet Samuel, he's calling for you. I want to tell you this morning, God's calling for you. God knows where you are. God knows who you are. God knows exactly where you've been. God knows that what you're doing, it may seem insignificant. Your life may seem small. Oh, come on, but we heard, we serve a big God that it doesn't matter where you come from, where you were born, what you've done, what you've been through. God is looking at you. He loves you and he's calling you out. And he's calling you. He's saying, I don't care what your life may look. It may seem insignificant to you, but I'm a God who brings significance out of the insignificant. You may feel overlooked, but always know that God is always looking. And he has his eye on you. David gets called and he goes up before the, the man of God, Samuel. And, and right there, Samuel hears a word from the Lord. This is it. The youngest one. The one that probably didn't have the same size as the brother's. One translation says he had red hair and glowing skin. He was healthy. He was handsome, but considered insignificant. Anoint him with oil. He's the next king. He anoints him with oil. Now, now, now if, I, like, if David was me or if I was David and I get anointed with oil to be the next king, I'm like, <laughs> I'm the king. I'm the king. Like, that's it. I'm good. Where's the throne? Where's the throne? But what we fail to realize is from the moment he got anointed to the time he actually sat on the throne, there was more than a decade that went by. A lot of us, we want the promise of God, but we don't want the process of the promise. Second thing we got to remember is that it's the process. God is always working a process in our life. I never forget when I was in middle school, maybe you had this science project too, right? We would always get science projects and the teachers would always send us home with something to do, homework or something like that. Nobody cares about that. But um, one time we had this one science project where you have to grab a flower pot. Anybody remember this? You had to put some seeds in there. And uh, you got to take some pictures of it on the journey growing out of the dirt. And so I remember I got home, I grabbed my little seeds and I put it in the dirt in the little flower pot. And they said, put it out by a window and make sure you put enough water on it every day. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to see a plant grow right before my eyes. I'm probably like in sixth grade and I'm, I'm super excited about it. And so I go and I put it right by the window. I start putting some water on it and I just sit and I just stare at it. Right? I'm just like, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait for this plant to grow. And, and maybe like 10 minutes will go by. And I'm like, there's no plan. I go and I watch some TV or I'll go do something else and I'll come back. Anybody, anybody, anybody like me, you'll come back at night and you're like, there's, there's still no plan, right? 
I'm going to sleep. Maybe, maybe something's wrong with my seed. And, and I'll go to sleep, and I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I do, rush out of my room and go see where the, where the power flower pot is at, and there's no plan. Is there something wrong with my seed? How come this is taking, I, I deal with a lack of patience. That's my struggle. I don't know about you. Don't judge me. I'll judge you off yours, but pray for mine, and I'll pray for yours. But, but I have zero patience, and I think a lot of us do this with God. And when something is taking longer than we expected, we think that there's a problem with the seed. When something is taking longer than expected in your life, you think that you're the problem. Or maybe it's because I'm less than, I'm insignificant, overlooked. Maybe it's because God hasn't counted on me. And what we have to realize is that there's always going to be a process to the promise. David gets anointed king and for the next 10 to 12 years, actually now his life turns into a living hell. Because now Saul, the current king, that has actually left the ways of God, he turns on to David and, and now he's after David to kill him. He's throwing spears at David. He wants to kill David. He's jealous of David. And David realizes his life is in danger and now he has to go live in caves fearing for his own life. Like really God, you, you anointed me as the next king of Israel and this is what my life is looking like? I'm hiding in caves and I'm running everywhere, God. This is my life, but you promised me I was going to be. Samuel anointed me. I felt the oil coming down my head. God, I was the chosen one. God, you told me you were going to fix my marriage. God, you told me you were going to fix my circumstance. God, you told me I was going to get that promotion. God, you told me that you're a healer. God, you told me that you're a deliverer. Where is the promise? We fail to realize that the promise is always going to come with process. Paul says in the New Testament that he was dealing with a thorn on his side. And all of a sudden he asked God to remove it three times. He says, God, can you take this thorn from my side? The Bible says that the thorn was sent to torment him. Right? I was listening to Pastor Stephen Furtick recently, and he said if you switch those words around in torment, you can get the word mentor. That which was sent to bring you pain actually came to teach you and actually came to bring you through a process where it's making something out of you. It's developing something on the inside of you. And while we don't want, I went, I went to the hospital on Saturday morning and I'm like, give, give me a shot. Give me a shot. Give me anything. I can't walk. I can't breathe. I can't move. Give me, give me a shot. Give me a shot. They gave me three shots. <laughs> and as soon as I got the shot, I'm like, I said, I should be fine. Forgot that it's a process till I start feeling better. We want to write. A lot of us, we come to church and we want to leave out of here without the problem in our hand. Like, God, answer this while I'm in service. Like, once I get in the car, I don't want to deal with it. You know what I've realized lately is that we're more patient getting into trouble than we are getting out of trouble. Right? Like, like you were very patient getting into that relationship that you should not have gotten into. Oh, but he's so cute. Does he, does he love Jesus? That he comes to church? I mean, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. No, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that he becomes a M-O-G, a man of God. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, she's fine, Alex. She's fine. I'm sorry, Pastor Alex. She's fine. I mean, I'll pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to convert her. She's going to be like, like a woman of God. I mean, she's fine. And you're getting into something that you know you should be getting to, but you're so patient getting into it. And then as soon as you get into that relationship and it starts going south and things get toxic and things get bad, God, get me. <laughs> Change this hard-headed husband right now. <laughs> God, help this woman before I strangle her. Right? Like, like, God, where are you? Right? It's a process. We want it right now. Like, isn't it always easier to gain weight than it is to lose weight? Right? We don't even pay attention to gaining weight. 
nothing. Next time we step on the scale, <gasps> something's wrong with this scale. Like, we need a new one. We need a new one. This is, this is wrong. And so we're like, all right, it's I'm, I'm going to get thin again. Okay, I'm going to do this, right? And you go and you work out one time, 30 minutes, you step on the scale, you expect that thing to be 30 pounds less in one day. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, right? You stand on there and you're like, half a pound? You know how much I worked out right now? Half a pound, right? Because we don't, we don't want the process. Nobody wants the process. We want overnight success. But with God, it's always a process because he's developing something on the inside of you. He's making you stronger. He's making you wiser. He's getting you ready because before you get to the place that God has you, he needs to mature you. He needs to strengthen you. He needs to prepare you. Imagine if David would have gotten on the throne right after he was anointed. He would have been on the throne an immature king. But running caves to cave, running for his life with enemies after him, it brought maturity out of him. That's where he learned loyalty. That's where he learned honor. He could have killed Saul in one moment, but he learned honor. He learned about forgiveness. He learned about faithfulness. Sometimes it's in that gap in between that God is doing the most in us. Romans chapter five, look what Paul says about it. He says, not only so, we glory in our sufferings. Like that, that line alone doesn't make sense to a lot of us. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character character hope and hope does not what does not put it somebody say he remembers number two somebody say the process it's the process not only Paul look at look at James James chapter 1 says this consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters because whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lack nothing. God is doing something on the inside of you. David, David, he's on his way to the throne. And for about 11, 12 years, he, he's going through a process. Some of us don't even want to wait 11 days. And David is going through this process. And along the process, there's going to be bigger battles than you could ever imagine. And at one point, he gets in front of a giant called Goliath. And Goliath is trying the people of God. And David shows up on his battle. He had brought some little sandwiches to his brothers. Like he was just a delivery boy. Already anointed king, but still doing things that seem insignificant. See, because you can be anointed, but not yet appointed. A lot of us are looking for the next thing when God says, just keep doing what I've called you to do. And so he's delivering sandwiches to his brothers, right? He shows up. I don't know who walks like that, but he walked like that. And while he's there, he sees this giant taunting God's people. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Like, I'll step up to him. Nobody wants to step up to the giant. They're scared of the giant because the giant looks like an obstacle. But I want to tell you, number three in the final one, it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. David remembers, wait, I've been anointed king. I know God has delivered us. He, he took us out of Egypt. He took us into the promised land. I know what he did. I know what he did with Jonathan two chapters before. And he, he shook the ground and a bunch of Philistines died. You're telling me that God can't take down this giant that's in front of me right now? And, and, and David grabbed what seemed insignificant, five little rocks to fight a giant because we always look down at the insignificant and we said, this doesn't matter, it's too small. This doesn't. With one of those rocks, he strikes Goliath in the head and Goliath falls down dead on the floor. Can I tell you that God can do something powerful with the most insignificant thing? I don't know what's in your hand. I don't know what's in your life. But can I tell you, if you give it to God and you say, God, I want to serve you all the days of my life, God can do something powerful. Oh, come on. God can do something great with your life life grab whatever you think is a little bit and give it to God and watch what God will do
This is the God that we serve. Oh, come on. Why don't we stand up on our feet? All across this place, if you can, if you're able to, get up on your feet with every eye closed, every head bowed. Maybe you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I felt overlooked. I felt abandoned. I felt like I'm doing insignificant stuff. I feel like I've been serving and nobody sees me. I feel like I've been on dream team and nobody recognizes me. I feel like I've been living life and people overlook me and people have no idea where I come from, what I've been through. I want to remind you today, God knows you. His eye is on you. And though people may overlook you, though people may forget you, he remembers. He remembers. And I really feel a word in my spirit that God is telling somebody, let the process happen. There's a process going on. Let the process happen. God, by now I should be at so-and-so place. By now I should have this life. By, by now I should be married. By now I should have three kids. By now I should have this visit. By now I should... Let the process happen. God, by now I thought I'd be in ministry. God, I thought by now I'd be certain. Let the process happen. God is, God is doing a process on the inside. And he's saying, don't reject it. Let, let my work do its full completion in you. With every eye closed, every head bowed. God, God is healing some people right now. God is breaking off strongholds of the mind that tell you you're insignificant, you're less than, you're overlooked, you're forgotten. Mom walked out, dad walked out. Husband walked out, wife walked out. Kids don't call. Nobody cares. God, God says, I've got you. I remember. The promise still stands, but the process is developing you. Oh, you're up against a giant? It's just an opportunity. I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to show you my glory. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that in this very moment, you come bringing a fresh revelation of your love, a fresh revelation of your power. God, that you don't look down the way that we look down at all lives. God, but you see the seed and you see the fruit and you see the trees and you see the harvest that's on the inside. In Jesus' name, I pray that you free people this morning. Open minds, open hearts, open lives, open spirits, God, to believe you, to trust in you. You're producing some character, perseverance, some hope on the inside. Hope that doesn't disappoint. Come on, if that's you, can you just lift up both hands? I just really feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Just lift up both hands and just receive from God this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, take a deep breath. That's just the Holy Spirit. He's here freeing people, delivering people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You remember, you remember, you've never forgotten about me. You've always had dry on me. Your hand has always been on my life, God. You've never overlooked. You've never abandoned. You're the God who never forsakes. You stay the same yesterday, today, and forever, God. Thank you that you're a faithful God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness, Jesus. That when I was still an enemy, you died for me on a cross at Calvary, God. Thank you that you're God that is working a process. You're developing something on the inside. You're working on my soul. You're working on my spirit God thank you God that you you're always at work God you've never given up you won't give up you'll chase me down God this is who you are thank you Jesus
Thank you, Jesus. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. I want to pray for one last group of people. If you're here and you're saying, Alex, I, I don't know who God is. I don't know who Jesus is. I just walked into the church. It's my first time, second time. Or, or maybe you haven't been to church in a long time and you're here today and you're saying, Alex, I, I need a relationship with God, but I don't know if God wants me. I don't, know, I don't know if God wants anything to do with me. I feel like I, I've fallen so short. I've done things I shouldn't have done, been places I shouldn't have been. People don't know what I've been up to. And if they knew, I'm embarrassed if they found out. It's called sin. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. There's not one perfect person in this place today. The Bible says that sin separates us from God because God can't be with sin, but God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came down to earth and he grabbed all of my sins, your sins, all of our flaws, all of our failures. And the Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. Jesus went up on a cross and he died for humanity. I want to tell you today, you and I can never pay for our own sins. But Jesus could. Jesus died for us and Jesus died as us. The Bible says he died there on that cross. He went down to a to a grave and after three days he resurrected in Jesus there's forgiveness in Jesus there's mercy in Jesus there's peace in Jesus there's hope and I believe there's a new life for you with every eye closed every head bowed with the church praying whether you're in this auditorium whether you're in the additional seating watching online on live stream if you're here today you say Alex I want a relationship with God he loves you he loves you he wants a relationship with you I'm gonna count to three and I believe that at the hands, at the count of three, hands are going to go up across this place. And people saying, I need a brand new beginning, a brand new start. Maybe you, maybe you grew up in church and the last couple of years you've walked away. And you say, I want to come back to God today. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. With every eye closed and every head bowed for privacy and concentration. If that's, if that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to see you for a second and then you can put it right back down. You're telling God, God, today's my day, a brand new beginning. One, two, three. Raise your hand wherever you're at. Raise it up. Raise it up. Hands raised up everywhere. Amazing. 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 Hold it up just a few more seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 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 I see you. I see you. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for all these hands. God, across each and every platform that people are watching right now, and people are making this decision, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come to seal this moment with his presence. All of you who raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I want you to say this with all you've got. Say it out loud. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it with you. You're not alone. We're family. Let's say it together. I want you to say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, church. Can we really make some noise? Oh, come on, Calvary. You know how we do. Can we celebrate every person making a decision?